you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message.
seen a lot of people through life, uh, through my life, through times in my life, I've seen a lot of people lay wrecks out of their lives. And I don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch people end up in a crash, in a crash course and on a crash course and headed for a place that they maybe don't even recognize without sound of a clarion call. This morning, I pray that the message that I preach today meets anyone and everyone in this room. Because maybe you're searching for God. Maybe you have maybe you've just prayed for a friend or a spouse or As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus. allegory, this picture that Amos writes about is describing Israel that is saved. This morning I want to take this passage and I want to bring the reality of where some of us may As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of God be taken out that dwell in the land of Samaria. I'm going to preach to you this morning redeeming what is left. Redeeming what is left. God, we need your help today. Speak what you have laid upon my heart. God, I pray, Lord, that your word and your spirit and your power may be made manifest in this room this morning. God, that you may accomplish the purpose for which you're sending your word. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. somewhat of a very difficult subject that 
that Amos sets before us today. In reading this, we must go beyond the surface of Scripture and recognize that everything that was spoken to Israel is a type and shadow of what God is speaking to the modern-day church. Somebody say amen. So here we are recognizing that Amos, days before he wrote of Israel, and speaks to them, which is speaking toward the people of God and the heart of God. And Amos is dealing, of course, with God's chosen people and their refusal to listen to God's voice. And he's dealing with the issues of their sin that has that has pointed them or directed them away from God. And then ultimately in this text what we see is God being the good shepherd rescues them and salvages the remaining particles of a ravaged land. And he rescues or redeems that he rescues out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear basically is a poetic is a poetic symbol of the remaining parts that would be left after the majority had been consumed now the bible is written so that men can understand and what we're trying to do this morning is dissect this passage of Scripture so that we can all understand very clearly. Our late bishop, Brother Price, used to tell me, Brother Jordan, try to preach at a level where the average third or fifth grader could understand. And try not to preach above people, try to preach where people can comprehend and understand. In reality, that's how the Scripture is written, although it is so intertwined with great wisdom and deep revelation and the unction of the Holy Spirit as they wrote. Yet, we have to train our ear to hear and to our eyes to, to see and our hearts to comprehend what the Spirit is saying to the church. This message today may be very simple. It's, it's very simplistic in its nature. Yet it is very clear that God is reaching for souls of mankind. Particularly those that he has placed his mark upon. Those whom he has called out. Those whom he has chosen. Israel, as it were, the people of God. God's chosen in this text, Israel has fallen. They have strayed. They have walked away from God and away from the teachings and principles of God. And now, now in this text, Amos is writing and he begins to talk to us where I believe the church is today. Where God has placed his hand, his anointing, his touch, filled some with the Holy Ghost and has given us 
given us uh, great a great future, yet we have in our own of our own demise and our own out of our own uh, will and our own volition, we have walked away from God and, and we have put a distance between uh, between ourselves and our Creator. And in doing so, there in this distancing of ourself, we move to a point where we are unable to hear the gentle voice of the shepherd. When he speaks into our lives and into our heart, we have spaced ourselves so far away that when our enemy comes at us as a roaring lion, we are too, too far away from God to hear and heed the voice of the shepherd. And thus we find ourselves in the jaws of the lion, never intending to be there, never intending to end up there. We, we didn't start out there. It is a slow drift. It is a slow walk away from the foot of the cross and into the mouth of the lion. That distance between the two uh, may be immeasurable. It's impossible. For some, they may move more quickly than others. And for some, it may be a very long journey to get there. But when we end up a long ways away from the voice of God, we are putting ourselves in jeopardy of the jaws of the lion. Now I come to you today. I believe God has sent me to this pulpit this morning to preach and to reach one more time for every person that has walked away from where you once were with the Lord. For every person that has put a distance between you and God. For every person that has allowed things to get between you and God. I reach to you this morning and preach to you today that God is wanting to redeem what is left. Now this passage was aimed at the nation of Israel. Israel, God's chosen people, God's chosen na nation had allowed sin to creep in and they had lost their power with God. They were still blessed of God. You, you can't deny that. Israel was blessed of God. They were still favored of God. They, they still knew what that was all about. Perhaps they sensed his presence. They knew his presence. They could still sing his songs. They could sing the songs of Zion. They could still show up and go to, to the temple and they could still spend their time in worship. But they had lost their power with God because they lost their daily walk with God. So God sent a prophet by the name of Amos to them. And again, Amos came to warn them of a judgment day that was coming. And, and they refused to listen to what Amos was telling them. They walked in their own way and they rejected the call of God. God said if Israel didn't hear the words of the messenger, they would end up in the jaws of the lion. And in the end, they would be comparable to just the fragments and the worthless part of a dead lamb. Two legs and a piece of an ear. This is not referring uh, to, to, to going to your favorite restaurant and ordering up uh, 
a leg of lamb. Rather, it is referring to the bony part of a sheep's leg that had been devoured by the lion, only leaving the lower shank and the hoof, the writers declare. It would be rendered invaluable and useless for human consumption. It would have no value in the marketplace. It would not be usable anywhere. For what good would leg bones and ear cartilage be after it had been ravaged by the teeth of a hungry lion? Two leg bones or a piece of an ear is not much to have after an attack of a lion. It sure isn't worth reaching into the lion's mouth and trying to snatch and pull and fight the lion to recover from the lion's mouth. Two leg bones or a piece of an ear. It appears that perhaps it would be better and much more intelligent for one just to say, let it go, it's over, the life is lost, there's not much left. This is clearly done in Scripture here out of an effort to, to point one thing out to the church this morning, and that is an effort to rescue what is left out of God's chosen people that have walked away from truth, walked away from God, and gone their own direction. I speak to you this morning and tell you God has not given up on you. I want you to get that out of your mind this morning. If you entered in this room like you do every week and somewhere in the back of your mind you thought you've gone too far for grace and you've walked too far for mercy, I want to tell you that's why His grace is called amazing and that's why His mercy cannot be explained in words because no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, His grace is still amazing and His mercy is still reaching if he can just find one leg bone or a piece of ear cartilage, that's all he needs because he came to redeem you today. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house. There are some powerful things that happen in this story. There is the fact that the lion is forced to give up whatever is left. The lion is taught a lesson that the shepherd has total dominion over him and the power to rescue what is left. I want you to understand all that is happening in this text because there's a lot here. The first thing we could talk about is the fact that regardless if the lion wanted to give up the last thing that he was going to lay under the shade tree and gnaw on, he was just going to chew on it for a while. The meat's gone. There's just two leg bones and a piece of ear cartilage that is there and that's all that's left. But the fact is, is that the lion, understand this, there is a message here to the enemy that would like to devour every one of us. And the message is that no matter what little fragment of you may be left, if you will turn it over to God, he will still redeem you. The lion is taught a lesson that the shepherd has total dominion over him and is powerful to rescue whatever needs to be rescued out of his mouth. 
when Satan comes as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There may be some that walk away from the voice of the shepherd and end up in the mouth of the lion, but I come this morning to tell you that the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is able to redeem you out of the mouth, of the teeth of the lion that would like to cause you to believe it's over. But it's not over because the good shepherd is the one in charge. Oh, the enemy wants to tell you your kids are too far gone. Wants to tell you your marriage and your home is too far gone. But I come this morning to tell somebody it's not over because the good shepherd has the final say. And the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to triumph over the roaring lion that would like to destroy your soul. He is for you and not against you. God is for you not against you. Third thing we see here is that God doesn't need anything that is so well put together that it can make it up its own. Beware of teaching that would cause one to believe that you can become educated enough, smart enough, wise enough, wealthy enough. You can get it all together to the God and you don't need his church and you don't need the voice of a shepherd because that teaching is going to lead you into the mouth of the lion. But he comes today through his word to declare to somebody in this room that God will take the fragments that everybody else would just discard and walk away from. But he will take the fragments of left and he will do a new work in you. How in the world can God do anything with a mess that I've made out of my life? I've heard the question asked over and over, but if I called on some of you this morning, you would have to rise as a testimony to say I know where I was where I was and I know where I was going. I know where I was headed to when he came down and rescued me and brought me out of the miry clay and turned my life. Come on, somebody in this room needs to testify. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. It's not because of my education or my good looks. It's because of his grace and his mercy. There are three characters in this text. There's the shepherd, there's the sheep, and there's the lion. Now the shepherd, we know, and I'm breaking this down because I don't want to preach over anybody's heads this morning. I'm trying to make it as simple and as clear as, as I possibly could. I, I, I'm going to just pause here to tell you why that I do this because I learned a big lesson about three or four years ago. It was on a Sunday morning I came here and I preached a message. I don't recall the message that I preached, but I preached a message that I felt that I waxed eloquent in. An Old Testament message that was tying together a lot of scripture, bringing us into the New Testament. And for the seasoned saints that were here, I'm sure that you, many of you, uh, probably don't remember it either. But uh, you, you perhaps uh, would have enjoyed uh, the theology that was involved and the typology that was preached and 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 how I took Old Testament, New Testament, married them together and and sealed it with the kiss of, of the cross, and, and we all rejoiced and had an altar call. And we had a special guest here that morning, and it, it meant a lot to me to have that guest there. And after service, 
I, I felt um, glad that she came today. Uh, not on one of the days I felt like I just dropped the watermelon. And uh, so I walked off this side of the platform and I walked down front and she came in. And I said to her, uh, man, I'm glad you're here. And she looked at me, kind of had tears in her eyes that morning. And her very first visit here, she looked at me and she said, Pastor, I love you, but I have no clue what you just said. And here I thought I had done so well. I called all of our ministers together and I told them every time we address this pulpit, complex messages have to be broken down and explained in minute detail to where a child could understand or a new convert could understand. So this morning, if it seems that I'm oversimplifying, it's not for Jamie. She's been here long enough. She's I thank God for that. But I want every person in this room to be able to understand what I am telling you. So I break this down for you very clearly today and take the time to do so because I don't want anybody to die lost. And I don't want anybody to say that they came to this church and they sat through a service and it seemed like the preacher preached an educated and well put together sermon, but I didn't fully understand what was said. I've accomplished nothing if that is the testimony. But I want to preach a message that just says God loves you. He wants to save you. Only His blood can do so. It's applied by the name through repentance, baptism, the infilling of His Spirit. It's just that simple. You can't be born again. You haven't gone too far. If I sound like redundant every Sunday, it's on purpose because I don't ever want to get away from the simplicity of the message of the cross. Bible paints it clear and graphic. The portrait of Jesus Christ and declares that he is the good shepherd. Then there's the sheep. We are his sheep. In this text, it's pointing toward Israel. We understand the church is a type of Israel. It's spiritual Israel. The Bible points out that all we as sheep have gone astray. Somebody say, that's me. And so the Bible makes it very clear. We are his people. Right? We are his people. Everybody say, we are. I'm in scripture this morning. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So it's very clear we are the sheep in the story. And then there is a third character in this text, and it is the lion, the bully lion, if I may, not the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is referring to Jesus, but the lion, the, the Bible calls him our adversary, the roaring lion, Satan, who goes about seeking who? May devour. It is very clear in Scripture earlier in Amos, the Bible speaks about an, an adversary that shall be loosed in the land. I didn't read that in the text this morning, but our adversary seeks to devour. This is what the Scripture is talking about. The eighth verse just above that says, The lion has roared, who will not fear? Everybody fears the roar of the lion. We live in a day, however, that it seems like we are becoming callous to the enemy of our souls. I, I, I don't even recognize some of the, the depth of sin that people have so, uh, have so chosen to walk in. 
society, it seems like today, are no longer afraid of the wages. I grew up in a church in an era, in an an area where there was a lot of conviction preaching and those messages that, that preached hell hot and eternity very long and his coming very soon. And I remember those messages that would convict my heart and I didn't wait for an altar call but ran, literally ran to the altar as I heard the flames of hell reaching up toward my feet and and I I would run to the altar and ask God to, to make sure that I was saved, to make sure that I was lost but society criticized it and the church picked up on what society was doing and preaching on hell became unpopular and people started pushing away from it, I recall, as an evangelist not getting invited back to a particular church one morning because about three minute segment in my message, I talked about the goriness and the heat and the the struggle of hell and I was never invited back into that pulpit again, but I stand this morning to tell you I still believe there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It may not be popular preaching, but I come today to tell you there is an adversary and his name is your enemy. It is the enemy of your soul. It is Satan. It is the devil himself and he will do anything he can to get a hold of you and devour you that you would be eternally lost. This generation has diminished the fear of Satan. And the world feels that they can just handle whatever, whatever comes at them from their evil actions. And among us rages plagues and all sorts of things that are a product of the evil lifestyles of humanity. I'm compelled this morning to stand in this pulpit and cry out and declare unto you that the lion will destroy every person that is not saved but the children. There is no way around it he will devour you. You can't fight the lion alone. It may be that you no longer fear him because it seems that your bank account's still good and your health is still good and you still have enough youth and life ahead of you that I'm just not ready yet. But I come this morning to tell you that that sin will take you further than you ever intended to go and keep you longer than you ever intended to stay and cost you more than you ever intended to pay. You cannot fight the lion alone. Your adversary is greater than you unless you have Christ within you. The only way that you can overcome the adversary is to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because he comes after you seeking whom he may devour. And you can resist him on your own merit, on your own education, by decisions you make in life. But I'm going to tell you what, it'll never get you out of his jaws. Only the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, only the blood of the Lamb, uh, only the redemption of the Good Shepherd will be able to pull you out of his jaws. He's opposing everything we try to do. He has a plan and his plan is to destroy you. Satan is the defender. I'm not coming this morning to tell you you don't have anything to do. If you're Holy Ghost filled, living a righteous and holy and godly life and have God on your side, you don't have to be afraid. 
because there is a highway called holiness. <laughs> David writes about it. He said it is a highway. It's not a low way. It is a highway. I'm living above some things. And that highway called holiness is a place that even the ravenous beast cannot climb up and get to it because it's a highway. Hey, I'm going to tell you what will keep the lion away, living the highway of holiness. Uh, living the highway called holiness. It is a highway. There's a protection in your holiness. There's a protection in your separation. It is a highway that you walk above the, me the, 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 the meagerly elements of this world and you walk above them because the ravenous beast can't get up there. And he said, the vulture's eyes have not even seen it because it is a highway that even is higher than what the vultures can climb. I want to tell you, don't let anybody tell you it doesn't matter. You may get by for a little while, but it does matter. Our holiness does matter. Our separation does matter. There is a highway that the vulture's eyes can't see. It is the highway of holiness. said to Peter, Satan desires to have you. Satan desires to have you. That he may sift you as wheat. And when Satan gets through sifting all of the good out of you, all that's left in the sifting sounds like a similar story that Amos wrote about. It's just two legs or a piece of you. When Satan gets through with you, he'll rob you of your talents. He'll rob you of your influence. He'll rob you of your good name. He'll rob you of every good thing that you have. And he will leave what is left. He will leave only the, the, just the fragments of what your life could be. He wants to rob you of your best days. He wants to rob you of your best life. He wants, to, he wants to rob you of living a life of peace. Oh, I'm not saying that they can't be saved, but I'm telling you Satan desires to have you that he can sift you. The pieces of sheep that are mentioned here in this text are a witness against the sheep himself. I'd like to point out three witnesses that we find in the sheep. The piece of an ear testifies that the sheep would not listen to the voice of a shepherd. Why? Why a piece of an ear? Because it would have been what was turned away from the shepherd. Four different times in the New Testament the Bible states, he that has an ear. The amazing thing is, is how many people hear, but they are not listening. They hear, but they don't listen. They sit through service after service and hear the preached word, but they don't really hear. They're just, they're not really listening. It's just falling on deaf ears. The preacher preaches, we're present. But we're not listening. 
Oh, there are times that the preacher goes home having preached the best of their ability, tears flowing down the face of the evangelist after the altar. The appeal is met with half-hearted responses. Oh, it's not just here on certain occasions. It is the state of the church of this day in which we live. I come to tell you it's time that the apostolic church falls back in love with the cross, that that the church embraces old-fashioned, Holy Ghost-filled, firebrand preaching that reaches to the heart of where we are, that calls us out of mediocrity, that calls us to the highway of holiness, that calls us to where God wants us to be. I tell you what it is. It's because we love His presence, but we're missing the real encounter with the Lord. At the conclusion, compliments are given Discussions are had about the deep theological breakthroughs that were revealed in the sermon. But when there's no change in our lives, we accomplish nothing. We hear, but we don't receive. We go on walking in our own way, and somewhere down the road, we will be caught in the clutches of life itself. The Lord keeps taking me back over and over. Again, I see faces, I see individuals that the Lord is reaching for this morning that is showing up, but you're not present. You're here, but you're not hearing. You're not receiving the word. Don't wait until the lion gets you in his jaws. Yes, the Redeemer's here. Yes, he will redeem you. But you've got to make up your mind. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'm not after the pleasures of this world for a season. But I want to, I would rather suffer with the people of God. Somewhere down the road. When our own decisions end us caught in the clutches of a life itself. We will wake up and recognize maybe I should my ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to me today. The piece of ear testifies that the sheep are different. Then there is the leg. The leg testifies that the sheep didn't walk in the direction of the shepherd's voice. You may have heard had a stubborn bone that just chose to follow the direction of the shepherd. Listen, the closer you are to the shepherd, the further away from the lion the lion is. Because the lion knows he's no match for the shepherd. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. Somebody says, it doesn't take all of that. It doesn't matter. I want to be close to my shepherd. I'm not preacher preaching this morning. I'm talking about the good shepherd today. I want to be close to the good shepherd. I want to be I want to be closer to him. I don't want to get caught up loving the things of the world. I want to love. I want to love fall in love with him. I want to fall in love with his voice. I want to fall in love with his way. I want to delight to do his will. I want to hear his voice and walk in his statutes. Told to walk in the Spirit, 
to not walk after the flesh. Walking after God rather than walking after things that satisfy the flesh. Perhaps this sheep could have testified of good reasons why better grazing, more things they enjoy, but walking away from the voice of the shepherd was the thing that jogged not a word that most of us may use very often. What it really means is when it says walk circumspectly as we see, it talks about the end, speaking of the end times. And what it's saying, it's talking about looking and recognizing the circumstances in which we are living and to walk accordingly to the environment in which we are living. Do I need to stand in this pulpit and break down any further what I've already preached this morning to somebody to tell you we are living in the last days. These days are evil. When men look at good and call evil and look at evil and call it good, these are the last days. These are perilous times. There is a darkness in this world. If I am to walk circumspectly and I see how dark this world is, I want to run from the darkness and run to the light. Because the days are evil, I want to run to him. Don't be careless in your walk and end up in the mouth of the lion. But be careful and walk circumspectly. There's a lot of careless I read some time back about someone who took a risk and pursued Teslas in Texas. They got to the zoo and they got careless. And they went beyond the, bar the barriers and tried to get just as close as they possibly could. Ended up in the lion's den. They've been attacked by the lions. Zookeepers come to try to rescue them out of the clutches of the lions. How foolish. How many people could go through that like that? Let's go through it today. Probably no takers in the room. We can load up the bus and all go watch and see, see how that turns we can laugh about that this morning, but that's how strong it is. We don't have to walk carelessly, but we walk circumspectly knowing that our adversary, the roaring lion, the evil one, is waiting. There are fences built to try to help us walk uprightly, but we ignore it. There are preaching that comes from the pulpit, from the fivefold ministry, but we walk our own direction and we go our own way and we have our own say in the direction we're going to go and we don't recognize how foolish we are walking. We are refusing to listen. The legs testified of where some are today. Sadly, some are walking away. And then there is that other leg is the witness who cannot run. You can't run with one leg, but two legs. And it talks about speaking of running and those that are running from God, running from the will of 
Jonah ran from God. And his life ended up a disaster because he ran from God. You can run from God and get a very long way very quickly. You can run from his call in your life, but you'll never get away from it. Because what you'll find is you'll say, you know why I sent you to heaven and thou art there, and if I mess up here, it's okay because I'm still here. We can run from God, but we'll never run away from God. You know, it's just such a conversation to have in your life. I can't begin to tell you how many people I have wept over and have wept over their own lives because they simply wouldn't listen. They wouldn't walk right. They ran from God. They ran from the will of God. And in the end, there was nothing left most memorable moments of sitting in my office after counseling with a young lady that was about to make some very terrible mistakes in her life. My wife and I sat in my office and I begged her to listen. I begged her to not walk the direction that she was walking. I begged her against her decisions, but she chose to walk her own way. A few months passed and she ended up in a terrible situation. The same young lady back in the same office sitting on the same couch with the same two people that loved her in the very beginning sitting across from her. As she laid her head back on my couch and she screamed out that somebody outside of the building in Delphi Avenue would have heard her voice when she screamed, I am sorry, I will never walk away voice of my friend. Her life ended in absolute tragedy. No one will ever walk away from God. I've got to hurry because I'm finished today. Then there's a second message found in Amos 3 and 11. The first lesson is that there is a lion waiting to devour us. The second lesson that we see in Amos is that the shepherd put his life on the line to retrieve what's left. When you've been beaten down by the, by the world, life circumstances or feel that your family and friends have all deserted you, there's one thing that I want to challenge you to do that is, I want you to look to Christ as a shepherd and put your faith in the one who gives you life. Because no man took his life from inside of Amos. <laughs> he, went to, he went to battle. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He went to the cross. They beat him. They spat upon him. They plucked the beard from his face and they nailed him to the cross. And when they came against him, the only words he would speak no man takes my life. I willingly lay it down, meaning that I go to the jaws of the adversary and I fight to the very end because the only thing that can redeem you and me out of the jaws of the lion is the blood of the spotless lamb that was willing to go to the cross and die. And the good shepherd declares this morning, I am willing to fight for what is left. 
precious moment. All the thief had was were a few precious moments. A few breaths left to take as he hung upon the cross when the Lord was willing to take what was left. You may feel this morning like that there's not much left of you. Your life's about over. You've destroyed life. I don't know who may be listening online that may not even be in this room this morning or even while I feel compelled to address that person watching online. But I want to tell you this morning that you may feel like there's not much left and that your life's over and that you've made too many mistakes and you've messed up. But I want to tell you that God never gives up on you. Even when there's just the slightest of chance of redemption or recovery, I see the shepherd rolling up his sleeves and saying, come on man, I'm about to go to battle. I'm about to go back one more time and I'm about to fight for you. I feel that rising up in this room this morning from somebody that's in the jaws of the lion and you hear the message and you know it this morning. The good shepherd's ready to fight for you. He's ready to redeem you. He's ready to bring you back. He's ready to make you over afresh and anew. All he needs is just a glimpse of something that is left and he will make your life over after Peter denied him, after David failed him, after Thomas doubted him, after Moses disobeyed him, in all cases he still had the goodness to say, there is hope for you. Oh, I'm looking at you this morning and telling you, there is hope for you this morning. Everyone that I'm preaching to today, there is hope for you. The enemy's telling you there's no hope because he's got you in his jaws. But I come this morning to tell you the voice of the shepherd is thundering out of heaven this morning. There's hope, there's hope, there's hope, there's help. He's here, he's here, he's here, and he will make you over afresh and anew. Stand with me this morning, I close. Final application to this passage is God wants to redeem what is left. You may feel property, family, money, physical health. All he had left were three well-meaning friends who picked up on his supposed flaws. But this was not the end for Job. God reestablished his God returned all that he had lost plus more. And finally this morning, I'm telling you God wants to fight for you. He is fighting for you. If it wasn't for his grace and mercy, you would have already been soured. But his grace and mercy, you may feel like there's nothing left but two legs or a piece of an ear, but I'm telling you that's all you what's left to the cross. You need to run to this altar this morning, bringing him what is left and declare to him, Lord, there's not much left here. I'm broken and there's not much left, but here I am and I'm bringing it to you. I'm running to the cross this morning for you, Lord, to do your work of redemption in my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you feel compelled to walk to the front of this room, you can
can do so privately this morning, but I got a feeling that the voice of God is thundering out of heaven into the hearts of men in this room. He's reaching for you to save you today. This isn't pretend. He's coming to where you are. He's coming to the mouth of the lion for you this morning because he loves you that much. He's fighting for you today. He's fighting for you. You're not alone. Take heart. God's fighting for us. He can rebuild your life. There may be some things that are lost by the scars, but I want to tell you this morning that He will give you a brand new life and a brand new hope and a brand new future. He's not against you. He's for you. He didn't come to save. He didn't come to take the two legs or a piece of an ear out so he could shout in the the ear and break the bones. But he came to rebuild it. He came to where you are to put it all back together, to put your life back together, the shattered dreams, the wounded heart, the broken lives. Why don't you bring them to the foot of the cross? Bring them and give them all to Jesus this morning. I invite you to come and find a place to pray today. Lord is reaching for you. He loves you more than he loved himself. So he went to the cross and died that you might have life. He shed his blood. If you're new here and you don't understand everything I preached about this morning, why don't you just walk to the front of this room anyway? Why don't you just open your heart to the Lord and just say, God, here I am. This is me. I give my life to God, I'm sorry for the life I've lived, for the things I've done, for walking away, for turning a deaf ear. Just let that prayer roll out of you right now. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be closer to you. I want you to put my life back together again. He'll do it today. We have robes and we have water. We'll baptize you today. He'll fill you with his spirit. You can be born again of fresh and new. Old things can be passed away. All things will become new. Oh, I'm reaching for you today. Everybody in the building praying. Nobody looking around. Everybody praying this morning. If you're in the pew praying this morning, if you want to join us in the front, there's room. Oh, come on, let's sing the Lord. This could be your hour. This could be your moment.
of the Lord reaching to us today? Does anyone feel the Lord drawing you close to Him right now? Here's what I want you all to do. The pastor has preached such a strong word to us this morning. I want you right now just to grab your neighbor's hand out of your chairs, and I want you to come down to the altar right now. Everybody, I want you to join. I want everybody to come. We're all going to respond right now to the word of the Lord. I want you to come as close as you can. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with you up. washed away you need to be baptized this morning in Jesus name and he will wash you of all of your sins can I get a witness in the house right now he will wash you of all of your sins he will clean you of all of your guilt all of the shame hallelujah because he loves you today and today we're all going to walk toward him would you lift your hands up right now and would you just commit to the Lord I'm ready to change God I'm ready for you to pull me out of the mouth of the lion. I'm ready for you to pull me out of my sin. I'm ready for you to pull me out of my mess. I need you, Lord. Come on, make that your prayer right now. I need you, Jesus. I need you, God. Come on, that's it. If you want to be baptized, I want you to, I want you to let me know. We'll baptize you this morning. Come on, God can wash away all of your sin right now. You can be washed of all of the guilt. Jesus. Come on, just call on his name today. If you don't know what to say, call on his name. Jesus, I'm calling you. Come on, call the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, God wants to save you. God wants to fill you with his spirit. God wants to wash away all of your sins. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to link up with some people. We got some praying people up here. I just want you to pray over somebody right now. I want you to pray over somebody. Be led of the Lord right now. Come on, God's touching people's hearts this morning. Come on, this is your day. Jesus. This is your day. I'm calling you, Jesus. Come on, God's calling you this morning. God's calling you. Jesus, Jesus. 
Come on, that's it. Jesus, Let's just take a few minutes right now. Let's just take a few minutes right now. God's calling you. God's reaching for you today. God's reaching for you today. Jesus, 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 I'm calling you. Come on, I feel the love of God in this place right now. 